It takes more than changing your job title on LinkedIn to does computer stuff real good to be a great software engineer. <laughs> this is episode 121 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast, and I'm your host, Jamison Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. It actually takes a lot more because changing your job title to that means that you get less recruiter spam. <laughs> I'm surprised because don't they want people that can do computer stuff real good? Yeah, they, they do. And Seems like a failure on their part. <laughs> that's because you didn't, you, you left off and does soft skill stuff real good. Oh, that's true. That would be the complete developer. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then I would start a school the recruiter. for children that want to do computer <laughs> stuff real good. <laughs> and other stuff good too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that recruiter took one look at your LinkedIn profile and went, this is only half an engineer. <laughs> it is effective if you're one of those first world problems people that get spammed too much by recruiters. Yeah. Just yeah. put something goofy. Soft Skills Engineering is a podcast where we talk about all of the non-technical things that go into being a great software developer. That is like correct. LinkedIn titles, I guess. Dave, we have some patrons. Do you want to thank them? I or do. I guess maybe maybe you want to curse them out. I don't know what your plan is. <laughs> this week, I was going to thank. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, that's the just highest. Like... Okay, okay. Our our like unobtainium platinum level of donation is we'll curse you out on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> This week, we'd like to thank Zach Grannon, David Jackson, Dustin Coates, Nick Cantar, Dimitro, and Neonilla, Sean Clayton, and Ken Howard for donating and continuing to support the show at the $20 a month level. Thank you. We love you, and we couldn't do this without you. Yeah, and we have stickers coming, yes. partially because of you. So Yes. Yeah. We've got, oh yeah, we have a new design. I don't know. We can talk about it, but I guess you can't see it when we describe it. So It has colors shapes <laughs> it does have a strange oily texture which was surprising to me <laughs> when you touch it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah if, you're, if you're listening now just pick up your phone and kind of brush it against your cheek and you'll notice <laughs> <laughs> soft yet firm <laughs> perfect all right oh uh, yeah should we read our first question sure should i think i should do it okay okay all right this comes from an anonymous listener who writes hey there I used to work totally remote, but found myself absolutely hating it, the lack of office culture and human interaction. The problem is that in my area, there are few local development jobs that match my skill set. I work in a large, but healthcare-heavy town, and their tech does not blend with my skill set. All to say, when it comes time to find my next job, I'll probably be looking for remote again. How can I come to love remote jobs, or at least survive? Maybe my previous company's remote culture was terrible. Is there any advice you can give when evaluating a remote culture at a company? Hmm. A large but healthcare heavy town. I just imagine a town full of extremely healthy people. <laughs> Everyone's just in fantastic shape. Yeah. No, healthcare heavy means everyone gets a lot of healthcare, which means... So extremely unhealthy. Is that what you're saying? I'm going to guess this is... This has got to be somewhere in Connecticut. <laughs> really? There's like a ton of health insurance companies there. Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. I guess there are some everywhere. So I work fully remote. Mm -hmm. I have for a while now. Dave, do you have any background in this? I have worked remotely now for three weeks. Ooh. So I've pretty much the world's authority on remote work. No, you, you have in your head the contrast very strongly. I think oh, yeah. you are the world's authority. You oh, well. you still remember what it was like before you could wear pajamas all day <laughs> in the bad old days. Do I, though? <laughs> maybe, maybe I wore pajamas to the office. Yeah, in the time of trials 
before <laughs> before you could wear your bathrobe before you could literally open the kimono <laughs> it used to be a metaphor now it's really. <laughs> um yeah i i guess i'm kind of a canary in that sense because i'm new to it and yeah. and i work in a situation i think you know james and i were talking earlier and I, we feel like there's basically two kinds of remote work arrangements there's one where everyone is remote this is like a remote company yep um, or at least a remote team where all the people you interact with they all work remotely but then there's also the situation which I'm in, which is where your team is not remote and you are the lonely only who is remote on your team. Yeah. And those are two very different scenarios, right? Very different. Yeah. I've been the only remote person and I've also been the on-site person working with the only remote person. And I've also been the fully remote on the fully remote team person. And I prefer so much <laughs> to be part of a remote team. It's There's so much that comes automatically. If you're a remote employee of an in-person team, there's a lot of burden on you to go out and gather information and make sure you don't miss out on stuff. Because mm -hmm. if you don't do that, you'll just miss out on stuff. People won't people won't make the effort to include you. Or they will, but not all the time. Or I don't know. It's not like they're malicious. It'll just happen. Yeah. Ha have you found that happening since you since you moved, Dave? A little bit. Um, but I, I knew that going into it. So I've been very proactive. And one of the one of the techniques that I did was I set up every single day. I have at least one 30 minute block of time scheduled with people who are not remote on the mm -hmm. team to make sure that I have that time. And, and we don't always use it every every day. And it's not the same person every day. But, you know, some people I meet with twice a week, some are three times a week. And I made sure to do that. And it's been it's been great because we get this time just just me and this other person. We chat about what's going on on the team. We chat about our projects. It's just kind of unstructured, freeform time, and it's been very effective. I would say that it's just I don't know if it's as effective as like the impromptu bumped into you in the hallway conversations, but it's pretty darn close. And it might even be better in some ways because it's regular. You know those those impromptu yeah. hallway discussions they they kind of happen by chance. You know. Yeah, it sounds like the argument we're making though is. Well, not the argument. The question asker said, maybe my previous company's remote culture was terrible. And we're yeah. saying, maybe you were just the only remote person. Right. And it usually is kind of, there's not cultural affordances for the remote person. Yeah. Even, even so in I a- I can't feel kind of terrible. Exactly. Even in a supportive team, they'll just forget, yeah. they'll just forget you because you're not in their face front and center. So- That happened all the time on, on a previous job. There was one person out of a team of five or six that was remote and we forgot him all the time and we felt really bad we really liked him and he yeah. did good work and and we would just like get into it and all write stuff on the whiteboard and then at the end be like oh we should probably tell person x what we decided <laughs> yeah and yeah. sometimes if we were good we would say that and sometimes they would find out when i don't know it broke their stuff or right <laughs> it changed the project they were working on or i don't know or when they violated the new process you imposed yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> I, I've had that. I haven't had that happen yet because it's only been a few weeks. But, um, you know, I've had like the little nuisances where it's like, oh, team had a meeting uh, and I'm like trying to chat them like, hey, please turn on the camera or, you know, please turn on the please dial into the video conference. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. That never and it's works. like no response. You know, anyway, it, it happens. Yeah. But, but my team has been very good about it. I mean, they've they've been proactive about dialing in. And the cool thing about my team is we were already a remote office from the main office. Okay. So they were already kind of used to dialing into meetings and participating over video conference. So it's not like I had to blaze all this new ground, you know? Sure. Of course, we can't forget the classic remote versus on-site team thing of you show up for the team meeting from your video camera, video chat. You have your fedora on because you were a fedora team. 
everyone else on the team cowboy hats it just happened <laughs> and you weren't there and now you look like a fool just a textbook remote just worker tragedy. classic yeah classic tragedy if i had a nickel for every time i showed up with the wrong headwear oh <laughs> a tribly really dave <laughs> It's all about the beanies. (laughs) So uh, I guess we're, we're, we're hypothesizing here. One hypothesis, one hypothesis could be question asker was in this situation where the company culture wasn't very well aligned around remote. And that was why you hated it. And you could solve that by changing your behavior and being more deliberate or joining a remote company or a company more friendly to remote work. The other hypothesis could be they just really don't like it. There are definitely people that I know who do not like remote work because mm-hmm. they don't like being alone in their office all day. They value that interpersonal interaction. They value yep. like having this routine of leaving your house and you you are at work and then you go home and you're at home. The lines get kind of blurred in remote. There are also people, I think, that um, they just need that to kind of stay happy and stable and healthy. There are definitely days where I don't see people that I'm not related to <laughs> in person. And I think that could get rough sometimes, especially if if... Uh, I was feeling extra down or I don't know. So so there might be some essential attributes of your character or personality that make it hard. And then I don't know what you do. Join the healthcare industry, I guess. (laughs) Join the heavy healthcare. It's a healthcare heavy town. Yeah. Have you seen people, I don't know. Have you seen people like that, that you feel like just weren't cut out for it, weren't happy doing it? It it feels like it's rare enough that it's still a perk that people want where it's, it's not like, how do I describe it? I hear a lot more from people saying, I would love to work remote. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say more more than than what you were describing. I hear people in our industry saying, I would like to do it. But I wonder if that's just a function of how common it is, right? There just aren't that many people working remote, maybe. I don't know any numbers on this. But my impression be. is most people still work in office. So it's it's yeah. like there's not enough people doing it for people to have to do it if they don't like it. Exactly. I, I could have to seek it out. It could just be a grass is greener syndrome. It's like, I'm tired of all these meetings interrupting my day or... You know, the water cooler banter is annoying me because it happens so often. Yeah, if only, yeah. If only I could get rid of all of it, <laughs> you know, and then you get into it and you're like, wait, this isn't that great. Yeah. But if, if that's the case and you still, despite not liking it, still want to do it, <laughs> I think you could do some things to kind of fortify yourself against that. People work from coffee shops or co-working spaces. Then you get that interpersonal interaction. You're still around other people. There's some kind of bustle and, and noise. Mm-hmm. It's not just you in your basement or your attic or your crawl space or <laughs> your bomb shelter, or bomb shelter, or your cruise boat. <laughs> And then I think you would also need to work harder to establish a healthy routine. You don't have this routine of, okay, I get up, I have my time at home getting ready, doing whatever, and then I go to the office and then I come home and do other stuff. You can drift into just work is broadly smeared into your whole day. Yeah. And having delineated start times and breaks and taking advantage of some of the flexibility where maybe you hang out with your family for lunch. You don't have to mm-hmm. sit at your desk and work during lunch. Or I, I, I guess what I'm saying is you could you could plan to address some of the weaknesses or things that are hard about remote work for you by proactively putting in some effort around scheduling and routine and, and where you do it. Yeah. And, and I like the, I like the co-share, uh, what is it called? Co-working spaces? Co-working spaces. I'm in a co-working space now working with a team, working, sorry, sitting proximal, proxi, in proximity of a team that works for my company, but I don't work with this team. Oh, really? And, yeah. And uh, okay. it's been great because they, you know, I, I've been able to have a few conversations with them both personal and work-related, 
and you know we can go out to lunch occasionally so it's kind of like hey is everyone going to lunch today you want to go to go somewhere together and i think you could probably get a lot of those perks in a co-working arrangement even if none of the people work for your same company you know and get kind of a group together and i think that could really help alleviate some of the concerns here yeah i can get sucked into my own bubble a little bit so i really appreciate having friends that either work remotely or even just local friends that i can hang out with and go to lunch with and I feel like it's more important for me to do that deliberately when I work remotely than if yeah. I'm in an office. You could also try uh, starting up a weekly podcast with someone that you like to talk to. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Don't make it about soft skills, though. We will find you, <laughs> crush you. <laughs> and acquire you. <laughs> and then discontinue you. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, you're laughing, but that's the thing I look forward to every day. Me too. Oh, not every day. I do look forward to it every day, but it happens every week. <laughs> we actually so record six days a week. I'm very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> we actually record seven shows a week and we throw away six of them. <laughs> that's what it takes to get this level of quality. Oh, I know. Can you imagine? So the, the other thing I would recommend as a remote person that I've really enjoyed is take advantage of the fact that you're remote by doing things that you couldn't do if you were in an office where there's an expectation that you'll be butt in seat during certain yeah. hours. So you could do things like go outside, take a walk, ride a bike, paddle a canoe around something, swim some laps in a pool. And you can do these things in the middle of the day. And I think it'll remind you about how cool it is to have this flexibility. And I think that might help with the uh, mindset a little bit, you know? Sure. I mean, travel is another huge one, right? If you're not tied to a physical location for work, then you have a lot of freedom, especially, oh, yeah. I don't know what your family situation is like, but especially if you're, if you're single, just like, I don't know, put all your stuff in your car and drive around. Oh yeah. That sounds cool. Go see the world. Yeah. I, um, I have some friends that are living the van life, right? They just mm. have a van that they sleep in and drive it around and they work remotely. And that's an awesome opportunity to, that they have because of it. I am not too adventuresome, so I don't do that. But we have visited family and been able to extend trips that we would have had to make over the weekend. I can just hang out and work while yeah. my family does fun stuff. Oh, that's and a good idea. Rolls down my eye. <laughs> I, I see them out the window playing. <laughs> and that Cat Stevens song plays in the back of my head. <laughs> the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. Um, that sounds yeah, good. Thank you. We need more of that. It plays a lot, so I know it pretty well. <laughs> yeah, that's an awesome opportunity. You can just yeah. you can work and travel and experience new things in a way that you can't as easily if you're if you have to be back in the office by nine a.m. the next morning. And, and if you can manage to fit like retrofit a standing desk in a minivan, I mean that would be amazing. oh yeah, that would be ideal. <laughs> All right. Well, have we answered this question? I think so. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. This is this is I think a great opportunity to learn something about yourself. Sure. And uh, I, we would love to know, like, is it really the kind of thing that can be learned or is this the kind of thing that it's just so built into you that you just either can work remote and love it or not, you know? Oh, one more good idea. I was going to say dumb things and I had a good idea. Contracting or consulting is a really great way to dip your toes oh, into yeah. this where if you just go get a full-time job as a remote worker and you find out, actually, I do hate this, then in 30 days, you're going to have yeah. an awkward <laughs> conversation. But if you just take on some contract work, I don't know, you can find contra- most contract work is remote, I feel like. so, or, or most consulting type of freelancing work is remote. So find some of that, try it out. And then that gives you a nice, easy transition path if you like yeah. it or if you don't like it. Okay, now has the question been answered? Yes, it was before, but it's more answered now. I'm going to read our next question. This one's kind of long. I feel like the detail is important, though. Oh, yeah. I'll try not to laugh. 
Love the show. I have a question on how to effectively manage a team of engineers who only have partial allocation to my project. I am a project and technical lead for a team of air quotes, eight full-time equivalents, which is composed of a rotating cast of engineers who are allocated to my project in small percentages, most commonly between 30 and 80% of their time. This has a lot of challenges, but the one I am most interested in is the struggle with other projects about whose delivery is given greater engineer priority. As an example, an engineer with 50% of time on my project and 50% of time on another project will give me feedback that his immediate tasking between projects is unclear. He knows he has to do both of the workloads, but feels they aren't even, or he is under more pressure from one project than the other. My company stack ranks during performance reviews and competition between <laughs> leaders of matrix organizations such as myself is particularly fierce. So discussions between projects on how to effectively tackle this problem does not yield constructive agreements in my experience. What a diplomatic way to say that. I know this. Wow. I, my hat is off. Yeah. This is a masterpiece. I'm at times guilty of trying to squeeze more than my designated allocation out of engineers to deliver on agreements for timing, scope, etc. Any thoughts are appreciated. Oh. I wrote a oh. bunch of comments that were all just noises. Like, <laughs> uh, like that. <laughs> this is so crazy. It's so bad. It sounds so bad. <laughs> oh, so, okay. It took me a while to parse it. I'm, I'm going to try and interpret it. All right. Give this, us the abstract syntax tree of this question. Okay circle arrow <laughs> other arrow other circle this manager has eight person units of team <laughs> and these person units are composed of any number of individual actual people and they're spread across any number of projects and there, there's no team it's like you get five seconds of dave's time right now and then in two weeks and 1,000 of those people together will be your project team. <laughs> and so there's this competition for this the question asker to get all their stuff done while the other people who all these engineers are allocated to also want to get all their stuff done. And whoever is the nicest loses, right? Because they don't yell and say, hey, I don't care whose other work you have to do. Do my work. And then mm -hmm. the project doesn't get done. And then they get stack ranked yep. and fired. And then only jerks are left. <laughs> yes. That's my interpretation of what's going on here. Yeah, and, and just to drive that point home, I'm going to do a little algebra on okay. this. We're going to like mathematically analyze this. Let's just say, let's figure out the number of full-time equivalents that have been promised or dedicated to each manager. And let's call that number X, okay? Sure. And let's, let's then count how many actual engineers are working at this company in this system. And let's call that number Y. What do you think the chances are that X is actually less than or equal to Y? Great. The chances are great. That it's less than or equal Hang to on. Y? Algebra. I got this. <laughs> They're bad. The chances are bad. Yeah. You're saying that there are fewer actual humans than FTEs. Than allocated FTEs. Than, than arbitrary person units. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, why else would you do this crazy scheme? <laughs> so, so you it has Especially to be true. Especially if, if you include the context switching, like... For sure, oh, it's that yeah. way. Even if X equals Y, with context switching, your your full-time equivalent allocation is going to be yeah, sub that's, 100 This is assuming, okay, you're divided between three different projects, 33% of the time on each one, and, and there's no overhead to being on three different projects, mm -hmm. which exactly. is wrong. 
It's <laughs> not true at all. Oh, I mean, man. listen to the kind of questions that the that the individual engineers are asking. Like, I don't know what the priorities are between these projects. Mm -hmm. The workload feels uneven. I'm under more pressure. It's unclear what project I work on next. That's the yeah. overhead. That's it. That's the overhead of them being on multiple projects. That's that's one manifestation of the overhead. Well, yeah, that's true. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably not the only one. <laughs> We're not lecturing the question asker. You did not oh, create no. this situation. And, no, I'm and you're certainly not arguing like, I have this great idea for how work should happen. <laughs> what do you think of it? But and the, fa the fact that you were able to articulate this beautifully written description of this problem. Yeah. When working in this kind of situation says that you are a very emotionally mature individual. Yeah. I mean, I if I started to sit down and write this question, I probably would have just devolved into pounding on the keyboard and be like, help, why, why? You would have just written out the noises that we made at the beginning. Just like, <laughs> I mean, oh, man, how? how okay, so well, one question I have is how does it how does it get like this? Who who believes was this designed or did it evolve? Was someone okay, like this is a clearly this is a good way to organize our, oh, our, our efforts. Since when does like staff allocation ever get like a master design? It always evolves from some starting point and that, you know, Conditions change, staff grows or shrinks, you know, money comes and goes. So there's, I guarantee you this is evolutionary. And, and here's, I just have an idea of how this may have happened. You started out, you had one team working on one product with one manager. And then you, someone comes up with the idea of inventing a new product. Great idea. But we can't afford to invest fully in this product. And we also can't stop supporting our existing product, right? We have to keep the lights on. Yep. So we're just going to take 20% of four engineers' time and we're going to work on this new project because we don't actually even know if it's going to be good, right? Yeah. Now you have two existing products that need to have the lights kept on. Maybe you can hire a couple more engineers, but you've got like five FTEs worth of work and repeat and just do this over and over and over. And then pretty soon you've got this little army of managers competing for engineering time. Yeah. That's my sounds, theory. Sounds great. I'll try it. <laughs> <laughs> so what... I don't know. What do you do? Because it, it does seem like the natural consequence is dysfunction. And, and the mm -hmm. question asker is experiencing the dysfunction. When I try and talk about it with other managers, they're never going to say, oh, I insist you take more of this person's oh, yeah. time so your stuff gets done. Yeah, because There's, you're right. Your stuff is more important than my stuff. I think this would need to be successful. This would need a very strong leader at the top, basically breaking ties and determining the priorities. And then it would also need very, very uh, rigorous execution to make sure that the allocations are actually executed on the way they were specified, you know, and think, everyone is clear. I think stack ranking exacerbates this too, because oh, there's oh, yeah. always going to be some competition and some ownership and some, I don't know, protecting your turf if you want a project done. But especially if it's tied to like, you're, you're competing directly with this person for a ranking or a rating, mm -hmm. yeah. then if you help them, you have hurt yourself. <laughs> yes. The, someone loses, right? It's a zero-sum game. So, If the stack ranking is measured on engineering output and that's like the main uh, input to the stack ranking, then yeah, you, you're screwed. But if the stack ranking is actually measured on how cooperative you are, how big picture you're able to think, you know, and, and how much ownership, and I don't just mean like immediate ownership, but I mean like broad ownership you demonstrate, then we, we could have a, a more healthy situation, I think. You know, all the signs point to it being that healthy. I think you're right, <laughs> Dave. <laughs> 
No, I'm I'm assuming it's like how many things did you get done, and and yeah. all the other nuances washed away. Like this doesn't seem like the type of organization that would say, you know, we have created this hard situation, so there is value. Even though you gave up and you missed your deadlines, you helped this other more impro- important project succeed by doing so. So mm-hmm. we will rate you above this other person. <laughs> I, all your projects failed, but you were so nice about it. Yeah, you, <laughs> the organization succeeded. Thank you for making the decision of who to rate the lowest easy. <laughs> oh, oh. So what I mean, do what do they do about it? Well, I mean, I one of the things that came through in this question is just how articulate and in just three paragraphs, this person was able to clearly describe the situation in such a way that it was totally obvious um, how like how dysfunctional this is, right? So I would say you probably have a good skill for this. You can probably raise this issue up to your management and say, look, this is a self-destructive path that we're on. We need to figure out a way to do this better. And um, if you call it out the way you've called it out to us, I think your management will probably agree. Of course, they're not getting stack ranked against you, so maybe (laughs) maybe not. I, even if this is a broad corporate policy, I feel like there's got to be a chance for someone to carve out a more sane chunk inside that. Maybe maybe the whole company splits individuals across this many different projects, across different engineers. But it still feels like this feels like a case of valuing um, usage over over and like efficiently using everyone's time over maybe clarity and and direction and priorities where sure maybe if maybe if there's one person on this project they'll use like 80 percent of their time and Mm -hmm. if you split them across multiple projects you could use 100 percent of their time but that sounds like a better problem to have than all these very granular splits between different projects and teams and people so i feel like i don't know i don't know how big this company is that this person works at i imagine it's big i don't feel like this happens at small companies (laughs) <laughs> no 10 yeah. person startup is like you know what? we need stack ranking and matrixes <laughs> <laughs> that's true <laughs> but maybe there's a possibility that together with your manager you can carve out a little island of of sensibility where mm-hmm. you know we just uh, you have one main responsibility and that's what you do the, the other or or, or, or like all the projects are under the same manager that you're split across that would also solve this problem right right if you that's oh yeah if this is a two-headed management situation then oh. That's kind of the situation I'm in right now, where there are definitely multiple projects that each person is working on, but they're all projects that I own. So I'm not fighting against other people necessarily. It's more like, what do I think is more important? That's a very different situation. Yeah, very different. And you should try it, making that happen. (laughs) That's easier to say than do. Just hire Jameson. He'll clean all this up for you. No, that's, it was already like this when I came in. I'll come in and appreciate it, though, once it's cleaned up. <laughs> I think this might be a symptom of underinvesting, where you're trying to extract a certain amount of value by putting in too little money to, this, to the problem, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And that's going to be a hard conversation. But like maybe the answer to this question is we need 30% more engineers than we have. Um, we're just barely skirting by the skin of our teeth right now. And... Uh, if we invested 30% more dollars into our engineering payroll, we could completely solve this problem and people could be permanently dedicated to their to solving one or to working on one project at a time. And simultaneously, you can solve the stack ranking competitive problem. Yeah. But there's you know, also money doesn't grow on trees. So it's not like that might not be the easiest sell. Yeah. I think if you can show how it's affecting performance, 
and and make a case either either more money or fewer projects that's one opportunity another opportunity is to find people i guess the question asker says i've tried to talk about this with other managers and it doesn't work there's got to be someone who you could have an alliance with though <laughs> um maybe <laughs> broadly not everyone will agree with you and work productively together but if you could find at least a partner that you share some resources with and and try mm -hmm. and organize between yourselves without getting the knives out that might make it a little bit easier as well where you both understand like hey we have this conflict and we're going to try and resolve it together instead of just well i want my thing done well i want my thing done it, it, it's nice to have a, a peer a coworker that you can collaborate with instead yeah. of compete against yes so maybe find an ally but you're you're kind of fighting a headwind here because this is an environment that breeds mistrust right because yeah 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 it'll be very hard but, you know, if you can ultimately influence everyone to start trusting each other and working more collaboratively, you know, you might be able to solve this problem, but the headwind might just be too much. You know what we haven't said in a while, Dave? What? Quit your job. <laughs> Quit your job. Quit your job. <laughs> Quit your job. <laughs> Yeah, this used to be the quit your job show. Why haven't we reached for that on the I think on it our felt like a cop out. It's not the answer to every problem. Just most I of them. <laughs> as long as you can get a giant raise by quitting a job and getting a new one, it does not answer the it's money like, problem pretty well. <laughs> what if I paid you 10% more not to work in this company? Huh? <laughs> yeah. How does that sound? <laughs> Oh, yeah, this is hard to solve. And I feel like it's going to be a project to solve if you want to. Mm -hmm. Maybe your manager doesn't think it's a problem. And they're like, yeah, the strongest will survive. And we I want <laughs> to kill and eat the weak. I, well, that's I mean, that's your that will help you make the quit your job decision. I think you go down and sit down with your manager. And if they go, yeah, th everything you've described are features, not bugs. Then why don't like you simply devour the other manager who disagrees <laughs> with you? <laughs> it's the kill or be killed. Yeah. I that feels like the right thing to do is is try and get some organizational support for solving this more broadly. I think you're right, Dave, that you can try and change it, but it's going to be fighting against the entrenched culture and you need you need to change it. You need and you need your boss's help certainly to change this. I guess you can also just like get an alliance with all the managers. I feel like if you're aware of it, more people are probably aware of it. Yeah. And and you might have some kind of regular meeting with the other managers. Maybe it's a thing to bring up there. Not not in the context of, hey, this individual person on my project is confused about what to work on and is saying you're pushing them to work on more stuff, but just broadly this problem of like, hey, this is this is feels kind of dysfunctional the way we're mm -hmm. allocating resources across projects. Yeah. And then when that fails, you can quit your job. <laughs> I was going to say, you use it to create this open atmosphere of collaboration and oh, teamwork and nurturing. Right. And then you're like, thanks, suckers. And you take all the engineers and get them to get all your stuff done. And you just ride that stack to the oh. top. Oh, man. <laughs> Make your throne of rise. skulls. <laughs> <laughs> that is the one upside of stack ranking. Someone's got to be on the top and it may as well be you. <laughs> Yeah, why am I always so pessimistic about it? That is a good point. Yeah, there is a winner. I do deserve to step on top of people as I climb to the top. <laughs> I feel like this, I mean, no, I have no more words. Just more noises. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tough situation. But, you know, the way you described this problem made it so clear to me. I'm sure that if you use these words with others, it'll be clear to them. And I would love to work with you. So, you know. If you yeah, take, that's true. If you take hard advice, <laughs> quit your job seriously, and you're yeah. this good of a communicator, I'd love to have you on my team. 
hit us up. <laughs> we can implement this on situation ourselves. Yes. Well, we will did we answer we'll this. Rule it. Did we answer it? Sure. <laughs> I'm gonna say sure. Okay. Thank you for sending in your questions. We really appreciate it. We got we got a bunch, which is great. We have a wide variety of questions to choose mm-hmm. from, and we will get to yours. If you would like to send in a question, you can go to softskills.audio and click the Ask a Question button. If you also want to support us on Patreon, you can go to that same website, softskills.audio, and click Support the Show and uh, donate any amount that you're comfortable donating. Mm-hmm. Maybe we will, I think we will make a curse you out on the podcast. Donation. Oh, man. But it'll be exclusive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have um, to pay in some hard-to-acquire currency. Yeah. Actually, it won't be curse you out. We don't say curse words. It'll be like, hurt me emotionally. <laughs> hurt my feelings. Hurt my feelings. Uh, that hard... can be yours. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you might you don't wanna... sound very committed. <laughs> All right. We'll discuss it. Maybe yeah, it'll, we'll discuss. Maybe we'll iterate on that idea. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this show, please share it with other people that uh, I don't know what that does besides get more people to listen to it (laughs) clearly that's good though right yes all right well we'll catch you next week